Good morning. Again, my name is Andrew Crosby. I am the missions minister here at the church, and uh, I'm so grateful to get to preach in our ongoing series here about Grow Up as we look at the disciplines, the characteristics, the practices that should define our lives as maturing followers of Christ. So I'm going to be honest today. We're talking about generosity. So I'm going to ask for your money. Let's just get that out of the way. So, so here are some ways that you can give. You, uh, the tan envelopes in the back of the pews go to, to support the mission of God through the ministry of First Baptist New Orleans, or you can text online. Those green envelopes are for local and global missions through Global Impact Offering, or you can also text an amount and then Global Impact, and it'll go to that. Or if you'd like to support these beautiful children, you can uh, meet me after the, the service and we can talk. And uh, I accept Venmo as well. Um, all right, so we're getting that out of the way. Generosity. We, we want to look at what God is calling us to live a generous life. Um, really, I want us to see that generosity and hospitality reflect the kingdom of God and prepare us to live in that fullness. So I think that generosity has the potential to free us from a life and a theology of fear and of scarcity. So when we know God and recognize that even our lives belong to God, it should free us to trust that the generosity that God models and shows us is worth trying with our money, with our time, and even with our lives. If it's really possible to be free from the fear and anxiety that come with money, don't you want that? So I think Paul here in Romans 12 is offering us a way to live generous lives. So go ahead and open your, your Bible with me. We're going to be in Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. God, speak to us today through your word. Show us what a life of generosity looks like. Help us to have the courage to imagine your kingdom, to see it take place here on earth, and the freedom to step into that. God, move in us today and help us to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so this writing is a little bit different than, than a typical letter from Paul. So Paul usually, you know, is addressing specific topics, writing to specific people. And in this section here, it's kind of a summation of what the Christian life should look like. And it all comes under this heading of sincere love. I love that. So, so sincere love. Paul is giving us a list of actions and attitudes that our life should look like if we're following Christ. The idea of sincere love reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, you know, you could have all the money in the world. You can have all the riches and talents. You could build great kingdoms. But if you don't have love, it counts for nothing. So all of this, all these things that follow are rooted in genuine love. And what does that love look like? Paul is saying, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Genuine love requires concentration and effort. We have to put some things aside and hold on to other things. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us personal involvement. But genuine love goes beyond looking out for ourselves. It takes stepping out of our own selfishness. It takes our time, our money, our involvement. Genuine love moves us to an others-focused mindset. So, we're not asking anymore, how can helping this person help me? Or how can this relationship benefit me? But we're looking to the needs of the other person. We want to see how our love in Christ can serve this person, can build them up, can encourage them. We are practicing God's love. And as you give to the church, the church is a model of God's love in this city. So we're not giving so that other people think more of us. We're giving to reflect the generosity of God and to participate in God's work here on earth. Generosity takes personal involvement. You know, I get to do this as a minister here at the church. I get a lot of personal involvement with the different generous efforts that First Baptist New Orleans does. So this week, I had the opportunity to go visit a member of our church who was grieving the loss of her mother. I also had the opportunity to go with a family to court who was experiencing some difficult circumstances. And then I had the opportunity to sit down with a guy who's made some some bad choices, some hard choices, and has been estranged from his family. And I got to sit down and talk about how we could help him reconnect with his family. The generosity of the church moves out into our community. It touches us individually, and it takes our time, our energy, our effort. It, it disrupts our lives, though, too. Um, I still think that God is moving and that we get to join God in that movement through the generosity of the church. So generosity changes how we relate to others. We're not looking for what we can get back. In verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We honor others not because what they can offer us, but because they are our brothers and sisters created in the image of God. We have to unlearn a lot to get there. You know, it's natural for us to practice selfishness, to associate our actions with a desired outcome. I know you did this as a kid, I did it as a kid, I still do it as an adult, but I see it clearly in my kids now. They love their grandparents, and, and my parents get to come visit us about every, every month and a half, two months, and we'll go pick them up at the airport and drive back to our house in Gentilly, but it's rare for us to make it back to our house without one of my kids asking my parents, so what did you bring us? What do you have for us? You know, that relationship is centered around what you can offer me. And, and that's part of growing up, right? As, as we're seeking to be a mature follower of Christ, we grow up out of that selfishness. So generosity changes that. We have to unlearn a lot there. 
Paul is telling us that, that we aren't supposed to love and care for people because of what they can offer us. Our work is to outdo one another in showing honor and care. It has to be rooted in genuine love. So we're sharing in the needs of other. And Paul here is specifically talking about the, the physical material needs. It costs to follow Jesus. And so he's reminding us that we're responsible to look out for each other. We're to have fellowship with one another that goes deep enough to see the needs of the other and to meet those needs. That's a genuine love, right? When you know someone and are known by them that they see your needs, this is the fellowship that Paul's calling us to here. We can do this because we trust God. We trust that in God's kingdom, there really is enough. I can risk caring for my neighbor because I know that I am already cared for. So we move out of God's generosity to offer generosity to the other. We need to live as though we believe that God's kingdom has enough. This reminds me of Jesus talking and telling us not to worry. He says, look at the flowers. Aren't they beautiful? Look at the birds. Don't they have enough to eat? And then he says, now look at yourself. Don't you know that God cares for you? Why then do you worry? Why do you have to fight about these things? We believe that and we know that God cares for us. A life of generosity changes the way we see others. It's rooted in God's love and it keeps us from having to fight for our place and position. We know where we belong. God loves us. We are God's children. So then stop looking at others as competition or as a means to get ahead and see their value as humans created in the image of God. I also want to talk about hospitality. And as I do this, I'm going to ask the uh, members of the team that went to Ghana to come up. In verse 13, Paul challenges the Roman church to contribute to the needs of, of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. You know, following Jesus comes with a cost, and we don't always experience the fullness of this cost in America. We have the, the freedom to choose um, how, how, we, how we live and, and what our religion looks like and, and who we follow. But in Ghana, they, they feel the weight that comes with that. And so um, I, I wanted to ask these guys that went to Ghana, um, this is our, um, we've been doing this for nine years. We have a partnership with Mango Tree Ministries, and we are working now with guys that were not believers when we started, and they are the core to this ministry now. And so I want to hear a little bit about what hospitality means. So, so Devin, tell us, this is uh, Devin, Brandon, and Yvette, and the four of us went to Ghana in September. Devin, tell us how you experienced hospitality in Ghana. Um, that's a great question, Andrew. Thank you. Um, and thank you, guys. Uh, this morning as a church for your collective prayers and individual prayers. But I think one of the biggest things that I was thinking about hospitality and generosity is the maturation of the hospitality and generosity that we had when we first got there. Um, the guys didn't know us. You know, we were foreigners to them. And as we gradually um, grew and built the friendship every day, you saw that to change. So we went from um, trying to figure out who's riding in cabs, you know, together, the taxis together, to, you know, who house we was going to go to, to, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, Brandon and Devin is going to ride what I do, or, you know, Musafa, to um, going to their house. And I think to end that, um, one of the days when we went out, Sahadu decided to um, bring us to his tailor. Um, this is one of the shirts that we got made, me and Brandon got some shirts made 
And, you know, like in New Orleans, you know, when we have family come in, you know, we bring them to Manchus. You know, <laughs> we bring them to our favorite spots. And what was so... Uh, what was so endearing and awesome about that is he brought us to his tailor. Yeah. He took us to where he, you know, he goes in his community. And that was like profound for me and, and for Brandon as well, because he was, he showed us love in a different way. Yeah. He, he invited you fully into his life. You yes. were, you were part of his community. You were experiencing the things he got to experience. I think that was a Absolutely. big step. I love that you brought that shirt too. Um, one, one more time, Devin, tell us, um, you know, in Ghana, hospitality is, is a big deal because these guys, a lot of them are live, leaving um, Islam to become Christians. And so when they do that, they're choosing to leave family and jobs and security and community. So how does hospitality play out in that context? And then how would you encourage us to practice hospitality here in our context? Two more great questions. Um, wow. In their context, uh, what we have to understand is we couldn't go in there thinking that we had all the answers or we was trying to fix a problem or we were uh, doing something that was so grand. Yeah. Uh, we were coming in their communities and the best thing that we could have done is humble ourselves. But humble ourselves in a sense where we were building relationships and through our relationships, they saw examples. Um, and what I mean by examples is examples of Christ. Yeah. And through those relationships and through those experiences, then we were able to um, dine with each other, you know, break bread and uh, fellowship with their families. And Yvette um, made, um, you know, little shopping bags where they can go to the market. Those different things, the, the, the maturation of that through our two weeks there or, you know, a week there, um, spoke volumes yeah. because we came into their situation not puffing our chest out like we some great Americans, but we went there, you know, as humble followers of Christ to show them and to be a part of them and say, hey, man, we're just like you all. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go to the corner store. They had their little, you know, corner shops that they went to. That's right. We're going to go hang out with them, and we're going to go into, you know, the, to hang out with the family and friends and meet people. And that's in their context. That's how we had to, uh, we became a part of their family. Um, in our context, um, you know, Ricky and the choir sung a song, to, you know, today. And part of it says, now it's time to give your heart people we got to give our heart if we're going to be you know show hospitality and going to be generous we got to give our heart and that's one of the things that was so profound for us there is that they gave their heart to us and we gave our hearts back to them and if we're going to be a community of believers and followers of christ whatever situation we in whoever we come in contact with we got to give our heart that's right. That's good. I, I love the, the talk about rooting it, being rooted in humility, and then just opening our hearts up so that others can see our love for Christ and how Christ has changed our lives. I, I love how you put that. All right, Brandon, um, how were you encouraged by the Christians that we worked with there? Yeah, um, you know, when Devin mentioned the Ghana trip, you know, I was like, okay, wow, Ghana. Of course I'm coming. Um, but I, I really... Um, I, I didn't know what to expect. 
And, you know, we did our coursework. And I was like, okay, God, tell me, tell me why. What, why do I need to go on this trip? And um, as soon as we touched ground, um, I would say within a few, few hours of being around the guys that's on the ground, um, I knew. Um, one, they were welcoming. They, um, they had a certain level of, um, of, uh, of light. There's a light that, that, that just exists. And um, we saw it, we witnessed it, we experienced it. Um, and we were also able to go around to the different villages and uh, just around town and, and see their interaction and how um, other people are welcome to them, how they're hospitable people. And, and what, what I realized is that it's about relationships and building, you know, those, those and it's creating those connections and being a, a good example. And then, uh, you know, I thought about, okay, you know, just talking with these guys and understanding their walk um, um, and, and to, to become Christians, and it's a lot different. It's, it's, it's um, you know, we, we, we accept God and, and we live in faith, but they're shunned by families. Um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, even, you know, uh, they have to deal with possible possibility of being killed, and that's not something that we have to even, even think about, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, there's, there's life that comes at us every day. And, you know, um, we worried, um, you know, things are keeping us up at night. And, and, and that doesn't have to exist. You know, when, you know, you have a group of people, um, and I'm specifically talking about the people of Ghana and these guys that we're with, and they have significantly less, um, but they're happy. They're at peace. There's no worry. Um, and you can feel it, you can see it. So, Andrew, you asked, you know, what my, you know, what, what, what I walked away with. It was really just a renewed faith and uh, understanding of what it really means to just trust. Yeah. This trust and, and, and I don't have to do the, the heavy lifting. So I walked away fearless. That's great. That's great. I love ending on trust because that, that's core to all of it. And, and when you enter into another context, when you slow down, you get to experience the work of God in a different way. And so you see it and you're like, okay, these things that, that come at me all the time that I think are, are so Im- important and vital, maybe you can take a back seat, you know, because I trust that God is present, God's working Just, there. just let them work. That's I, all I love we have it. to do. I love it. And Yvette, um, tell us a little bit about why the generosity of this church is important for the work of God's kingdom and, and, and missions? I think whether you're an individual or part of a body of believers, one of the key things it does is demonstrate the love of Christ. And while it was these guys' first time to go to Ghana, it was my seventh. And one of the big things I've learned in the course of making those trips is the impact of showing the love of Christ in gaining a hearing. Um, many times that was the door to some of those guys coming back and wanting to hear more about Jesus was because of the love of Christ that the Christians showed them. Um, And the same thing can be true here. Uh, So if we're uh, being careful to uh, make choices that are wise and pleasing and obedient to God, then there's no bottom to his pocketbook. Um, He's going to meet and exceed every need. Um, So, uh, and that trust is is key. It's like he's, he's the resource for everything. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all so much for sharing about that trip. (laughs) 
I wanted us to get to hear about the work that's still going in Ghana and, and the, the idea of hospitality just tied in so well because it is central to the ministry there. Um, when, they, when they go up to these guys that a lot of them are immigrants from other nations and, and so they've, they've kind of left family behind to work and send money back and things like that. They're, they're on their own, they're isolated, but they have a core group of friends around them. When they first start to hear about Jesus, there's, there's no way they're going to speak up. There's too much on the line, you know, they, they can't speak up. But eventually, if they get some of these resources that the guys give out, the Jesus film, the, the Bible on, on an SD card they can put in their phone where they can listen to it, they'll, they'll, they'll take time. They'll listen to it. They'll hear about the story of Jesus. And then when they're ready, they know that these guys that are there in Ghana have open homes. They can come in. They can ask questions in the safety of that home. And hospitality just plays a huge role to the movement of God in that context. And I think for us, hospitality has something to offer us as Americans as well. You know, we as Americans have been pushed forward by self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and we've done great things because of that. But, but there has been a cost of isolation that comes with that as well. And I think you probably feel it too, even though you're connected to the whole world by the cell phone in your pocket, your day-to-day -day life may feel isolated. Hospitality has a cure for that. When we open up our lives to see how we're connected to one another, to see how we can share day-to-day -day life together, it can move us to new places. And I think hospitality pulls us back together. Hospitality, as you heard from them, is also a means to evangelism. As I think about this For the City campaign, I want to challenge you to think about the people that, that you've identified. And over the next month, have at least one of them in your home. Let them see you on what your day-to-day -day life looks like. Let them see how the love of Christ changes your home life, changes your family, changes you personally. Have people into your home. Take a bit to open yourself up and to trust that God is moving there. Um, pursue hospitality. Go out of your way to hospi offer hospitality and welcome others. You know, this is different than just entertaining, uh, but it's looking out for the needs of your guest. When you are hospitable, you are putting them first. You're caring about having them in your home. As I was studying for this sermon, I read this. It says, hospitality can happen in a messy home. It can happen around a dinner table where the main dish is canned soup. It can even happen while the host and guest are doing chores together. Don't hesitate to offer hospitality just because you're too tired, too busy, or not wealthy enough to entertain. And you know, as I read that, I uh, breathed a sigh of relief and said, okay, good, you know, because Allie and I are definitely all of those things. We're too tired, too busy, and not wealthy enough. But the way we practice hospitality is um, encouraging to me. And so uh, we, we work hard on our home. We're proud of our home. But the reality is we have four kids under the age of seven in our house. So if you come over to our house, you are entering chaos. You're going to hear kids scream at each other. Our dog's going to jump on you. You're going to have to step over toys. But I hope that when you come in, you feel like you belong and that you know that there's a place for you at our table. That's what hospitality is. It's opening up your life enough for someone else to join in your life. We can all do that. No matter how stretched you are, you can open up your life to let others in. Sharing a meal together, sharing a meal together should always remind us in gratitude, who we belong to. We are God's children. You know, our hands may have worked to prepare that meal, but as we look at it, we recognize that it's all a gift from God. Why should we worry? 
Why should we hoard? Let us be generous with what we have. You know, generosity then goes beyond. In, in this list of, of activities here, Paul builds on the new way of living that Jesus introduced to us. In verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. This models the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 5 and Luke 6, where he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. You know, let your love be generous even when you know it won't be returned. Genuine love and generosity is key to a life, recognizing that you don't have to get back because God has already given you more than enough. So here's some ways I think that we can be generous, okay? Let's be generous with our money. Share in the physical needs of others. Support the work of God through this church. Let go of your money to help those in need. Let's be generous with our time. Rejo Paul says here, rejoice in hope and be patient. We need to allow others to interrupt our schedule. Let's be generous with our home. Seek to offer hospitality. Create a space where people can belong. Let's be generous with our prayers. Paul says, be constant in prayer. Even pray for and bless those who curse you. Don't limit your prayers to just what you need. Pray beyond yourself. Pray outside of yourself. Be generous with your prayers. Be generous with your emotions. In verse 15, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love that is genuine is going to connect us with the joys and sorrows of other believers because we are one body. So we're not going to envy or be jealous of someone else's joy. We're going to share in that joy, and we're not going to celebrate in their suffering. We're going to mourn with those people. God has connected us as one body, and our emotions should reflect that. Be generous with your joy. Celebrate well. Laugh obnoxiously and make others glad that they saw you. Be generous with your friend circles. Be generous in your relationships. Make space for people who are left out. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You know, I don't have, a, I don't have trouble being haughty because I don't really know what that means. Anyway, so, um, but don't consider yourself better than others. Be willing to lower yourself. Don't just look for relationships that benefit you, that get you to the next step. Care about all people. Pride is the enemy of unity. Generosity protects us from pride. Generosity has to come from a mindset that recognizes all we have and all we are belongs to God. So how can you have pride when you remember that? Be generous with kindness. Verse 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Don't retaliate, but do what is good in the sight of all people. The world is watching. When they see you, do they see good? Um, you know, Ellen got in trouble this week for sitting with George Bush at the Cowboys game. I'm sure you saw that. Her response said, here's the thing, I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way you do. I mean be kind to everyone. You know, that sounds a lot like Jesus who tells us to love our neighbor and doesn't give any qualifications of who that neighbor is. We love our neighbor no matter how good they are, no matter how they benefit us, we love our neighbor. Verse 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let's be generous with our peace. You control how you respond. Be a peacemaker. Don't cause harm. 
You know, I can't control how other people treat me or perceive my actions, but I can control how I respond to them. I control what I say, how I act. So in those things that I have control over, I'm going to seek to be a peacemaker. Be generous with forgiveness. Verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Do not revenge, but be generous with mercy. And he continues in verse 20, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know, the ethic of Jesus given here by Paul is revolutionary for the first century. And it's revolutionary for us today. Let us be generous even with our enemies. Their hunger and their thirst need to be met with our generosity. When we respond generously to someone else's hate, to someone else's harm, or to someone else's stinginess, it throws them off balance. They have an opportunity to be changed. When we respond to hate with more hate, it just reciprocates, nothing changes. But when we respond with love, with generosity, it throws expectations off. They can lower their defenses and it gives us an opportunity to see each other in a new way. Generosity gives us the opportunity to break the cycle of retaliation and move toward reconciliation. Responding with evil may feel good in the moment, but it doesn't last and it certainly doesn't heal. Paul is reminding us that we don't have to fight for our place. We're already secure in Christ. That security should free us to live generously. If we love someone the way Christ loves, we will be willing to forgive. If we have experienced God's grace, we want to share that grace with others. By giving the enemy a drink, we're not excusing his misdeeds. We're recognizing him, forgiving him, and loving him in spite of his sins, just as Christ did for us. Paul closes with this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We can take little steps each day to fight back our habits of greed, envy, and fear. Don't be overcome with these things. It can happen little by little if you let it. It can creep in until your life seems overcome. But we know that by the grace of Jesus, we can overcome and live in the generosity of God's kingdom. Let's pray together now. God, I thank you for your words. I thank you for this challenge from Paul to be marked by generosity and genuine love. I pray that you would move in us and give us the, the courage to see your kingdom here on earth, that, that we would live in such a way that we model the love and the generosity that's been shown to us. Help us to trust you even when it's hard, even when we're scared, and give us the courage to step out in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.